Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, and we tell stories about everything here on this show, including your story. Send them to OurAmericanStories.com. That's OurAmericanStories.com. They're some of our favorites. Speaking of which, up next, Joy Neal Kidney, a listener and storyteller who hails from our great iHeart station, WHO 1040 in Des Moines, Iowa. Joy is the author of Liara's Letters and Liara's Dexter Stories, The Scarcity Years of the Great Depression. 
Here's a story about a needle incident Joy's grandmother went through during those years. My grandparents were all dressed up to go out, to a wedding maybe, or a funeral. In the January 1935 black and white photo, Clay Wilson has on a three-piece suit and a tweed newsboy type or Gatsby cap. Leora is in a dark two-piece outfit, wearing pumps, silk stockings, and a hat with a little feather. Mom, do you know where your folks might have been going in this old picture, I asked? Yes, they were waiting for a ride to the clinic so she could have the needle removed from her hand. Oh, I knew that needle story. Grandma was visiting us once at the farm when I was a girl. She caught me parking a sewing needle in the arm of the couch. Never leave a needle like that. You could end up with an ordeal like I once had. She showed me how she couldn't flatten her right hand. Grandma Leora told how she'd lodged a quilting needle in the bib of an apron worn over her house dress. Her tub washer was broken, so she scrubbed the laundry, for nine people, mind you, on a corrugated metal washboard. She felt the stab in the palm of her hand. It happened so fast, she said, it had broken off with the larger end in her palm. She couldn't get a hold of it to pull it out. My grandparents had no extra money for a doctor, but Great Depression years or not, she sure needed one. Dr. Keith Chapler numbed her hand and fished around for the needle, but he couldn't find it. He sent her home, said to soak the hand in hot water, and he'd get a time set up for x-rays at a clinic. Leora didn't think about how hot the water was. She couldn't feel it. It scalded the skin on her hand, so now they had to wait until the burn healed. This was also during the winter, so another worry was that she might come down with a bad cold or worse, after having been put under with ether, which was used as an anesthetic. The fragment of steel had been located on the x-ray, but the doctor still had trouble finding it. When he managed to cut it out, afterwards she was nauseous from breathing the ether. Her hand was encased in porous plaster for about a month, making housework a challenge for this busy woman. It's a good thing their daughter Doris was in high school then, and Leora's mother lived nearby and could help out. Yes, in the old picture, I can see that she's holding her hand behind her. That's the only clue. But why would they get all dressed up for that, I asked. Well, during those depression years, Clabe had two sets of clothing, overalls and the suit. And Leora's choices were her housework dress or the good one. I later learned that Clabe had sold his Model T truck, so they had no transportation. Dr. Keith Chapler, who did the surgery on Leora's hand, had arrived in Dexter in 1933, fresh out of medical school, along with Dr. Robert Osborne. That July, law officers burst into the doctor's office with two criminals, Buck and Blanche Barrow. There had been a shootout in Dexfield Park. Buck, 
the brother of Clyde Barrow, of Bonnie and Clyde notoriety, had a severe head wound from an earlier gunfight. He and his wife had just been arrested at Dexfield Park. Bonnie and Clyde got away. Doctors Chapler and Osborne spent their entire careers in the town of Dexter, Iowa, ushering hundreds of us into the world, taking out our tonsils, and administering our first polio vaccines. The museum in town has a large exhibit about the Dexter Clinic Hospital and another about the shootout in Dexfield Park with the Barrel Gang. The Clabe and Leora Wilson family is also featured. All seven children grew up in Dexter during the Depression. All five brothers served in World War II. Only two came home. Small-town newspapers offer local tidbits, such as Leora's needle story. The Sentinel reported that Mrs. Clay Wilson thinks she found something harder to locate than the proverbial needle in a haystack, and that is a needle in the hand. While washing out a few things by hand, she rammed the blunt end of the needle about halfway into the fleshy part of her hand, the point breaking off so that it was impossible to pull out the embedded part. The needle had been left in a dress where she had stuck it while quilting. She did not visit the doctor until afternoon, and by that time, the needle could not be located. It was necessary to have x-ray pictures taken to find the little steel dagger, which by that time had traveled to the first joint of the thumb. An incision was made Tuesday morning, and the needle removed. But Mrs. Wilson's advice to all needle users is, in the first place, remove all such weapons from articles of clothing before pushing them on a washboard. And second, do not wait several hours before getting medical attention if once you get stuck with a needle. Decades later, that was also Grandma Leora's advice to a granddaughter, who also learned to hunt for the real and sometimes poignant stories behind old photographs. And a great job, as always, by Monty for the production of this story, and a special thanks to Joy Neal Kidney. Joy Neal Kidney's story, the story of her grandma's needle incident, here on Our American Stories. Folks, if you love the great American stories we tell and love America like we do, we're asking you to become a part of the Our American Stories family. If you agree that America is a good and great country, please make a donation. A monthly gift of $17.76 is fast becoming a favorite option for supporters. Go to OurAmericanStories.com now and go to the Donate button and help us keep the great American stories coming. That's OurAmericanStories.com. And we continue with Our American Stories. And up next, Mike Levin, who was the president and chief operating officer of Las Vegas Sands and an all-around hotel superstar, one of the great hoteliers of all time. More important, a personal friend and a wise man. And wisdom, my goodness, in short supply these days. And he transfers his wisdom through story. A Jewish guy who loves storytelling like 
almost nobody else. Take it away, Mike. What I learned about the franchise business really started at Dave's Inn and has really made an amazing impact on me. But you have to understand that my culture of customer orientation was really exacerbated by the franchise business. Because what happens in franchising is you put people in business for themselves, but not by themselves. And the interesting thing about it is it multiplies the entrepreneurial spirit of a free capitalistic type of system. But because many smaller people, small people in terms of financial capability, don't have the funds to be able to be in business for themselves at a larger scale, what franchising does is allow them to do that because the franchise provides them the ability to finance their growth. So they're playing off the name of the big franchisor while being in business for themselves. So it really fits America perfectly. Now it's international, but it was basically American. It's basically, if you look at the franchise model in Asia, the franchise model in Europe, it usually was a large company buying somebody's brand. But in America, it was small people, individual people doing it. So you had doctors and accountants and lawyers and, and small people buying franchises and even individuals buying Subway franchises where they're really making the sub sandwiches themselves. It puts them in for themselves, but not by themselves. So the whole concept is very American in its nature. But the reality is when I first got into the franchise business, and when I learned from my Americana days in the franchise business where I wasn't treated very well by the franchisor, that there was a lot of angst, a lot of aggravation going on. And that when I got to Days In, what I learned that if you can treat the franchisee as your customer, they, they would just grow their businesses for you. And so you, they don't, you don't have to use your capital to grow their businesses. They use their capital and their energy to grow and you take the money off the top, which has very high margin of profitability for you because the incremental nature of an extra franchise doesn't require that much cost. But you have to be honest and forthright with the money you're taking in for marketing and things like that. So it really was an absolutely perfect situation for me because it met all of my instincts in terms of the customer relationship. And consequently, when I got to Days In, I learned that not only could you sell lots of franchises, but the ability to keep your franchisee happily built in enormous growth opportunities for you because they just wanted more. And if you treated them well, if you built relationships with key franchisees, then they, ran, they grew your business for you. You didn't have to grow it. All you had to do was to do it right from the franchisor perspective. And there are many abuses in franchising because franchisors get greedy and they start ordering people. They build bureaucracies and they order franchisees to do things that they can't afford. They put financial stress on them without thinking about them. And when I finally had my own company, I did a franchise agreement that actually represented those values to its nth degree, where I had clauses like you couldn't do a renovation or add an extra cost without two thirds of a vote of the franchise community. You, you couldn't do encroachment that I gave them area protections with every franchise I sold so you couldn't encroach on their capability. So I built a franchise agreement that everybody agreed was the best in the business from the customer perspective. The end user is the customer of the franchisee. 
they are your customer, the franchisee. The franchisee is going to help make you successful by being successful themselves, and you have to reciprocate by helping them to be successful. So Days In opened up my eyes to a whole different world of franchising. What happens when you start a business, you spend a tremendous amount of time making sure your customers are happy. Because if they're not happy, you're out of business. As the business grows and you build more corporate overhead and more bureaucracies, everybody wants to be, manage the business. And so they forget sometimes who the customer is. And, and you who started the business with your first customer, you're very close. When you have 50 customers, you're very close. When you have 500 customers, you don't know the last 400. Who, who does know them? Your corporate bureaucrats know them. It's no different than the U.S. government. When the U.S. government was small in 1782 or whatever it was, everybody knew, everybody knew who their congressman was. Everybody knew who everybody was. Now you've got, you know, 3,000 people in the FDA. You've got, you know, this kind of, so they don't, they don't know who's their customers. When the FDA says, well, I think you should close the schools, who are their customers? Their customers are not the drug companies. Their customers, their end user is the United States citizen. Are they thinking about them? Well, they think they are, but some bureaucrats making a decision that's going to make a decision may not be right for their customers. So at the end of the day, I think the best example you might be able to find about government and bureaucracy in general is the bigger your bureaucracy, the further away you're going to get from the customer. And so they don't understand. You know, I had a situation in Holiday Inn where the uh, marketing director, there's a guy named Ray Lewis at the time, wanted to clean up the company because we had some old and tired hotels. And he was, anytime somebody would fail an exam, he'd want to throw them out so he could get a new hotel built. Well, the reality is the people who were building the new hotels were the same people that he was throwing out, of course, if you look at it that way. So we had a situation where we had a hotel at O'Hare Airport and they were having trouble with their quality levels because it was getting older and they couldn't get any money, they didn't have any money. So uh, the marketing guy said, well, we should throw them out. It was a half a million dollar royalty a year, plus a customer who had many other holiday inns. And uh, they called me because they heard he was gonna get thrown out. And I said, I said, well, why can't you get this fixed up? He said, we can't get the money. I need six months to finance it. I said, okay, I'll give you another six months. Then the six months came, he didn't have it yet. He said, I need another 30 days. If the marketing guy was knocking on my door to knock him out. I said, let's wait. 30 days later, they had the money. They, they rehabbed the hotel. Hotel then paid a half a million dollars of royalty plus for the rest of the term, and it helped them. So after that, you know, they were in the system. And so that's, that's what you have to think about. And so, but the further away you are, the, the ease of it is that you forget the customers. And you see it all the time in every business. I had a situation here where my insurance was being held by a company in Atlanta, my home insurance for here and Atlanta, for Florida and Atlanta. And I don't hear from the guy every year, the price goes up and everything. Finally, I got an, an advertisement for insurance here from a competitive insurance broker. So I called up and I said, can you give me a quote? I said, yeah, yeah. I said, I said when he didn't come over. He said, well, when do you need me? I said, well, are you available Sunday morning? Oh, yeah. Guy shows up in my office Sunday morning. 
makes me a proposal better than the one in Atlanta that I never heard from. Same quality of insurance, same everything. He got the business. Uh, you know, even this, even look, we have bureaucracy here in the St. Andrews Club in in in, uh, in Florida. You know, uh, here, and this morning I get a note. I own a condominium in Atlanta, and I get a note from the board that they're cutting down trees. They got permission from Atlanta to cut down trees. I also get a note from a resident saying, "Why are you doing that? Why didn't you tell us in advance?" Who's the customer? Who's the who's the board's customer in the condominium? The owner. The other owners, why wouldn't you communicate and say, by the way, we're talking about cutting that. Do you have any opinion? No. And you've been listening to Mike Levin tell the story of, well, of life. And you can go to Our American Stories and click Mike Levin and get so much wisdom through storytelling. By the way, this American invention, franchising, 20% of all American businesses are franchises. And this cuts from hotels to cleaning services oil changes, restaurants, gyms, plumbing, extermination, car repairs. And from this system, franchising has created tremendous wealth, tremendous job opportunities, and a tremendous tax base. The story of so much, a wise man, Mike Levin, all here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in our lives, big ones and small ones. If we keep them bottled up, boy, that can be a real problem. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I know people who've profoundly benefited from therapy, learning everything from coping skills to setting boundaries in their life. You don't have to have experienced major trauma to benefit from therapy. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's safe. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com OAS today to get 10% off your first month. 
That's betterhelp.com slash OAS. Betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash OAS. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Our American Stories, and we love to tell stories about our nation's history. And as always, all of our stories about history are brought to us by the great folks at Hillsdale College, where you can go to learn all the things that matter in life, all the things that are beautiful in life. And if you can't get to Hillsdale, Hillsdale will come to you with their free and terrific online courses. Go to hillsdale.edu. And as you know, we like to bring you events that shaped our country, and some for the better, and some for the worst. And through it all, there have been people fighting, fighting for the promises made in our Constitution. Sometimes the battles we fought have been a loss. Today, Robbie brings us the story of the Plessy v. Ferguson case and a Supreme Court decision that solidified segregation for over 50 years. It's told by a descendant of Homer Plessy himself, Keith Plessy. Here's the story. Separate but equal. It's a phrase that haunted African Americans for years. The right to separate individuals, restaurants, businesses, train cars, buses, based on the color of one's skin. Separate but equal was not a policy left over from the Civil War. It wasn't until more than 30 years after the Civil War that segregation became the law of the land. But not all states fell in at the same time. And in New Orleans, Louisiana, there was a man named Homer Plessy who would, with the help of the country, fight for the equality that black citizens had tasted for a brief moment. My name is Keith Plessy. I am a fourth-generation descendant of Homer Plessy, plaintiff in the Plessy versus Ferguson case of 1896. Homer Plessy was born in 1863, March 17th, the same year that Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation. He grew up in a turbulent time. Civil War was when he was an infant. Post-Civil War was his younger life, where he experienced uh, reconstruction in Louisiana, being protected by the Union soldiers. They were able to attend the same schools as white citizens. There were three additions to the U.S. Constitution amendments, the, the 13th, the 14th, 
and the 15th Amendments. Those amendments came during Reconstruction. 13th Amendment abolished slavery. 14th Amendment equal protection of the laws. And the 15th Amendment was the right to vote. So those three things occurred during Reconstruction and Homer Plessy was a young man experiencing those changes. So it was developing him to not only enjoy the freedoms that came through Reconstruction, but to defend those rights when they were being taken away. And during his childhood, many protesters and uh, activists of his time set the pace for him when he became a young man. Homer Plessy's father died at a young age, uh, and Homer Plessy was about six years old when his father passed away. His mother remarried into a family uh, called the Duparts. Victor Dupart was part of the unification movement, and Victor Dupart's father-in-law was part of the unification movement. That movement combined white and black workers uh, who protested for equal pay, and they got it during Reconstruction. However, when Homer Plessy became a young man, those rights were slowly deteriorating. And Homer Plessy uh, attended these meetings with his stepfather, Victor Dupont. And he was familiar with the Citizens Committee, but he was not a member of the Citizens Committee. Uh, that was a group of 18 lawyers, businessmen, prominent citizens, uh, mixed race uh, organization. There were some white citizens, some African-American citizens, uh, long in the battle for freedom. I think their history goes back abolition, long before the Civil War, uh, American Revolution, who also participated in the Battle of New Orleans. That Citizens Committee had a deep background in fighting for freedom. A lot of those uh, ancestors of the Citizens Committee who fought in the Plessy v. Ferguson case at the turn of the century were very much involved in the development of America. Homer Plessy himself had a relative that was decorated in the American Revolution. His great-grandfather was a gentleman by the name of Matthew DeVoe. Matthew DeVoe was decorated four times in battle in the American Revolution, which not being recognized as the American Revolution because Louisiana was still the Louisiana Territory during the uh, American Revolution. So his history goes back. The, the right to fight for his freedom was born with the country. And it, it was in his DNA to battle for his rights. When 1890 rolled around and Louisiana decided to jump into this segregation chain of laws that were spreading across the South. Uh, Florida had adopted its segregation laws on trains. Uh, Alabama had, was before uh, Louisiana. And when Louisiana adopted its uh, separate call law, it was 1890. And by 1891, a challenge was being presented to them uh, to change that law by the Citizens Committee here in New Orleans.
The Withdraw Car Act, or Separate Car Act, was a law passed in Louisiana that required railroad companies to provide equal but separate train car accommodations for blacks and whites. But Homer's case was not the first to challenge separate car laws. Another man who was white passing, Daniel Daydune, boarded a first-class car traveling from New Orleans to Montgomery, Alabama. When Homer Plessy was selected, the state law was being challenged. The interstate law allowed trains outside the state of Louisiana, so it didn't apply. Separate car law didn't apply to those trains. But the trains that traveled within the state of Louisiana, the ones who were restricted by race in each car. Well, if you, if you look at the Louisiana law as it was written, uh, you had a first-class car that was designated for white citizens and a second-class car that was designated for anyone of color. In the system of the East Louisiana Railroad, they would have preferred to sell all first-class tickets as opposed to a separate car that had to be set up. Say, for instance, the white car was not full. One black citizen comes up to ride the train. You have to prepare another car for this guy, and you have a schedule to meet when your train is taken off. It's going to one, from one area to another. To delay that process by changing the car, having to add a car to the train, took off a lot of time from the schedule, which resulted in poor service. So, you know, those who who wanted to exercise segregation on those trains had to suffer being late for their appointments. So it didn't make sense. And you're listening to Keith Plessy. And what a story this is. And anyone who's ever read the case, and you can actually just type in Plessy v. Ferguson and read the opinion because it's astonishing. And when we come back, we're going to continue with Keith Plessy's voice, and again, a direct relative, a descendant of Homer Plessy. And my goodness, it's a name you've heard, but it's real life person. And that's why we love telling you these stories. These were real life people. And without them doing what they did, things wouldn't have changed. And it took a lot of courage to do what he did. When we come back, more of the story of Plessy v. Ferguson as told by Keith Plessy, here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. 
I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. And we're back with Our American Stories and the story of the U.S. Supreme Court case, probably the most infamous, the 1896 Plessy v. Ferguson case. When we last left off, Homer Plessy was working with an organization to actually get caught so they could start the legal battle that would land him at the Supreme Court. When one looked at Plessy, they couldn't tell if he was white or black, and this is part of how they hoped to challenge the separation of individuals into white cars and black cars. Here's Homer's descendant again, Keith Plessy, Continuing with this story. Now, that law also created another problem, which was how do you tell that a person's black or a person's white? In New Orleans, you had so many citizens who, who appeared to be white, but they were actually black. And it was hard for the conductors to determine the race of someone. Until today, it's still a problem because, you know, I. I I have a personal take on that, which I say that one of the most ridiculous rules that were developed back then was called the one drop rule. That if you had one drop of African blood in your your line, your genealogy line, that you were considered black. And in Homer Plessy's case, one of the most ridiculous things that they were saying was that he was one eighth black because of his great grandmother, Agnes, who was a slave. So he was considered an octoroon. Uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of ridiculous to try to have a meter to measure someone's race. You know, it, it just, it went into so many ridiculous that, you know, rather than being recognized as a human being, as a person, you had to talk about somebody's color, their skin, and, you know, uh, 
It just, just didn't make any sense to me. The Citizens Committee had already cut a deal with the East Louisiana Railroad to uh, work on this plan to change the law. So when uh, Homer Plessy approached that train station, he was already expected to arrive. He purchased his ticket without conflict. He entered the train, the train car, which was designated for whites only. And he sat down. Well, the conductor and the arresting officer were also hired by the Citizens Committee and the East Louisiana Railroad to arrest Homer Plessy, take him off that train so that they can challenge the law. He was bailed out because there was, the bail was set so he could be released. The initial criminal case was overseen by Judge John Howard Ferguson, and he ruled that Louisiana was able to regulate their intrastate travel in whatever manner they deemed fit. After the verdict was passed, the Citizens Committee stepped in and appealed the case up to the state Supreme Court. That result of the case uh, was appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court, and it was challenged in U.S. Supreme Court by Homer Plessy and the Citizens Committee. And that, that's when it became Plessy versus Ferguson, and it became a national case. What the Citizens Committee did to raise money to represent Homer Plessy, I think the phrase, if I can get it correct, was the uh, liberality of the rich and the might of the poor combined. So you had a list around the United States of people who sent a dollar, who sent $10. Some people sent 50 cents. But everybody combined created the fund to represent Homer Plessy in U.S. Supreme Court. And it was a national representation. It was fought for about four years. However, it was unsuccessful, as history would write it. The decision was separate but equal, it became the law of the land. But in that instance, a new era of civil rights pioneers were developing uh, around the scene of that case, a fight that continued to actually change the law. After uh, separate but equal was adopted as the law of the land, uh, many other areas that were not segregated became segregated. So it brought about a backward step to America that I think it was a crippling situation, probably one of the worst, if not the worst, decisions at a point in American history where we could have actually turned the tables on the inequalities that the country was producing at the same time with this narrative of uh, equal <laughs> justice for all. Uh, it, it was not being practiced at that time. And it was given teeth. Jim Crow gave segregation teeth to bite into American society in every facet possible. I mean, you had drinking fountains, uh, parks, didn't allow you to come into certain areas. Even when I was a kid, uh, there was a park that exercised weekends uh, for white kids, and black kids had to squeeze in a little time in the park during the week uh, after school. And the weekends when everybody was out of school, uh, we couldn't go in that park. I was born in 1957, so that's a long time after 1896. 
Um, and, you know, it was still affecting my life as a kid uh, growing up in New Orleans. Eventually, Brown versus Board of Education uh, changed Homer Plessy's case, uh, the Plessy decision, changed the landscape of civil rights law at that point, but transportation still was not changed until maybe the 60s uh, when you had uh, the Civil Rights Act signed. Uh, there were still buses being attacked. So the transportation issue was not solved. It was education in Brown v. Board. I remember as a, as a child in elementary school being told that I was related to Homer Plessy. One of my teachers, uh, who I can remember, Miss Waters, she brought the phone book into the room. And while we were talking about Plessy versus Ferguson, she looked at my name, stood me up in front of the class and told the kids, Keith's last name is spelled just like Homer Plessy's. But it wasn't until much later that Keith realized how closely related he was to Homer. 1996, when I met author Keith Weldon Medley. And this gentleman was doing research on Homer Plessy, who he had done extensive research. And his book was being developed. It's called We As Freemen, Plessy versus Ferguson, The Fight Against Segregation. And his book uh, entailed the genealogy of Homer Plessy's family. And that's when I really found out my connection to Homer Plessy through my great-grandfather. And also, at the same time, he was doing research on Judge John Howard Ferguson. And not long after, Phoebe Ferguson, Judge Ferguson's great-great-granddaughter, and Keith Plessy, whose great-grandfather was Homer Plessy's cousin, would meet. He invited us to his book signing, which we had never seen or known of each other before then. And at his book signing, we met for the first time. And when I first met Miss Ferguson, she shook her hand and she began to apologize for slavery, segregation, and anything that ever went wrong <laughs> during racial relations. And I kind of interrupted her and said, hey, it, it, it's not our fault that those things happen. Uh, we can do something different. It's no longer Plessy versus Ferguson. It's Plessy and Ferguson. So we became friends at that instant and we've been friends ever since. And it took us from 2004 to 2009, when we actually um, developed the foundation. We signed our letters of incorporation at a restaurant called Cafe Reconcile. When we signed our papers there, we didn't realize that on July 9th, we were signing those papers, the 14th Amendment, it was adopted to the U.S. Constitution on July the 9th, 1868. And great job as always to Robbie and the Plessy and Ferguson Foundation is doing a lot to educate folks. Together, Keith Plessy and Phoebe Ferguson are spreading their message that their mutual history can be a tool to create unity and understanding. I wanted to read you the lone dissenting opinion. Everyone knows that the statute in question had its origin in the purpose not so much to exclude white people from railroad cars occupied by blacks, but as to exclude colored people from coaches occupied by or assigned to white people. 
Our Constitution is colorblind and neither knows nor tolerates classes among citizens. In respect of civil rights, all citizens are equal before the law. The humblest is the peer of the most powerful. The law regards man as man and takes no account of his surroundings or of his color when his civil rights, as guaranteed by the supreme law of the land, are involved. And that is Justice Harlan dissenting in Plessy v. Ferguson in 1896. Plessy v. Ferguson is told by Keith Plessy, the story here on Our American Stories. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.